Well, so glad you're here this morning. Good to see all of you. I'm, uh, I'm Kerwin Dees, one of our elders here, and our pastor in his absence could find no one else, I guess, and so I'm it, and uh, we're thrilled, thrilled to be here. Uh, my wife, Nancy, as many of you know, is not here. She is a bridesmaid in a wedding, and she wanted me to tell you it's never too late to be a bridesmaid. So uh, she's in Oklahoma City on a bridal, what do you call that weekend? Bachelorette. Bachelorette party. They called me last night, and they were looking for songs for the wedding and the march in and the march out, and I'm an old radio disc jockey, and so they said, uh, got any ideas? And they didn't, <laughs> I was on the phone with them less than a minute. They said, no. <laughs> so, so I was out of that. So uh, uh, that's where she is. Uh, many of us have a scripture that maybe a season of our life or some point in our life is significant. It could be a storm we've gone through and we just kind of anchor. It's an anchor scripture for a while. Or maybe there's a life verse that anchors us, that said that to remind us of our purpose. Sometimes someone might be, there might be somebody who really cares about us and prays for us. And as they're praying, excuse me, as they're reading scripture, they haven't got their mind on us at all, but they're reading a scripture and we come to their mind and they actually take time to send a note or call or text. Isn't that something? And I always pay attention to that in case God's, God's got something in there for me. And in, uh, in one case in my life, uh, I was brought a scripture with great passion, adamantly saying, read this scripture and read it often, twice. And uh, uh, like, like my life really depended on it. And so I'm, that's what the Lord's put on my heart today, and I'm so glad uh, Sharissa, my daughter, is here, and she's going, her and Chuck, one of our elders, are going to read Psalms 107, a story of four desperate peoples. Psalm 107. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry, thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way, till they reached the city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Some sat in darkness and the deepest gloom, prisoners suffering in iron chains, for they had rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled, and there was no one to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of the darkness and the deepest gloom and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love, for his wonderful deeds for men, for he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. Some were fools through their sinful ways, 
and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. Others went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep, for he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wit's end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. The word of God. Well, I've locked up here. Those are four desperate peoples, and they needed a waymaker because their abilities were of no use. Their experience, their background, their training, their contacts, if they had any wealth, was absolutely useless in all four cases. Two cases, the people were in enough spots because of their sin. They had rebelled against God or they had sin against God. In two cases, we're not told that they had anything of sin in their life that brought those circumstances on them, but they were in dire circumstances. In this world, we will have trouble too. Many of us may have circumstances. We see no hope. No human answer. Only a way maker. Only a savior. A redeemer that can rescue us. Maybe you haven't been there yet. I hope you haven't. I hope you don't have to. But many of us see brokenness in our lives. And brokenness in our families. And circumstances that just crush us at times. And this is where these folks are. For 15 years, when I was first told, read this scripture. Read Psalms 107. Read it often. So I started to read it. I've read it many times, many, many times. I've not abandoned it. And at first, the Lord, I think, had me say, cry out. Cry out. That was the message. You know, when, you're, when you're in the storm, it's really what you focus on because there's nothing else there. And it's just so, so many times I've just cried out and I said, Lord, we don't, we don't know what to do. Nancy and I have had some, some heartache with family. And we just, I said, what do we pray for? And she says, Mercy. Mercy. There's nothing else left that we can see. And and so for for a long time, I I just cried out in some circumstances for it. And then the Lord led me to see a piece of this that said we should be grateful. After every one of these stories, after every one, there's great gratitude. Wouldn't we be? Wouldn't we be grateful if the Lord miraculously changed circumstances, rescued us from near death, certain death? Wouldn't we just say, Jesus, thank you 
Thank you, thank you. It's this, this chapter starts with a great word of thanks, and after each circumstances, they cry out, not just for help, but they cry out with great gratitude at that point. I am so grateful the Lord got me to a good shore. Fifteen years ago, I could have never imagined in the circumstance I was in. I'd be standing here. I'd be with Nancy. I couldn't have ever imagined it. But he got me to a good shore. And he's rescued me from many sorrows. Many sorrows. And I'm so grateful for that. And then that kind of Lord led me to, we should tell our story. It said, let the redeemed tell their story. Not just of our salvation. And sometimes we, tell, we start talking about the greatness of God and all. People just really, you just kind of see them glaze over. Have you, I've had that happen before. Because they've never been maybe in such. It's kind of like the first time someone said something to me about cancer. I said, oh, that's that's too bad. I'll pray for you. And it was just empty words. And then you go through cancer and you think, wow, I'll pray for you. And so we need to tell our story when God rescues us, when the way maker comes and does something. Because he said, let the redeemed tell their story. And that's a piece of this. And then I moved to a period where I said, this, uh, this, man, this is just a great song, and it is a song, and, and it's just a great song of love. All through this, it's about God's love. It says his, 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 um, this great love, is, it says he, we give thanks to the Lord, he is good, for his love endures forever. So after the desert, they said his love endures forever, and after they were, they were so sick, they, were going to, uh, they couldn't eat from sin, uh, his love endured forever when, they, when he rescued them. From the, from the chains and the, and the prisons, his love endures forever. And then after they got off the ship and they were rescued, he said his love endures, endures forever. It's a great story of God's love, how he reached down and rescued these people, even though they didn't deserve it. And, and he does that for them. And then I think... The Lord has led me to the big picture. And that's what happens with the living word. We can read something over and over and over again. And the living word just said, oh, I thought I had that. And there's more. And then, uh, at least for me, it, it came in the last verse of the chapter, the very last verse. Of this, of this uh, Psalms 107. Let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. Ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. And I find for a lot of us sometimes this is easy to say and hard to do. It takes discipline. It takes devotion. It takes desire to do it, to ponder. My uh, 10-year-old granddaughter were here. I asked her this morning, what does ponder mean? And what did you say? Yes. Okay. This morning she's just thinking about it carefully. So she's <laughs> she's been thinking about it, right? To ponder, to ponder, is to think about it carefully, and uh, uh, and it says the wise do this. The wise do this. Now, if I said in here, does anybody not want to be wise? Anybody want to be foolish? So the wise actually do this. They actually take a lot of time to think about the great 
loving deeds of our Heavenly Father. To consider, to ponder, to see everything, to understand, to try to figure out, to stare at, to consider, to sit and think about the great deeds of our God. We uh, sharing recently about our history. We have a really great, intense history teacher at our school, and they, they don't memorize. They just, it's not about memorizing facts and figures and uh, facts and uh, dates and people. They, they just, it's an intense study of history where they just get to a deeper understanding of what happened, what caused it to happen, what the consequences were, what the ripple effect is then and now. And it's just a deep, deep understanding. This is what we're talking about. I try to get to a deep understanding. It's not just knowing about God. We have a certain knowledge when we come to, to, to the Lord, but it's not just knowing about him. Uh, David said, you're preaching today, my friend. And he said, yes, we'll just tell a basketball story. I'm a basketball coach for 47 years. So, um, and I said, well, I guess I've got one. You know, I, I used to love Larry Bird. When he played, and my kids were small, we'd take them, we'd watch, watch the Celtics play and just loved it. And I remember we took a trip to Washington, D.C. one time, Trissa, and we came back. We took the route back from Washington, D.C. to go by Larry Bird's hometown in Fritzlitz, Indiana. Because I just love Larry Bird. And, we, and I got, somebody let me, I told my basketball coach, we let me in the gym? Let me see where Larry Bird played. And then I said, where does he live? And they told me down this road, and his house was right there. And I knew a lot about Larry Bird. I knew a lot about him because I mean I loved I loved watching him play. And uh, but you know I didn't go up to his house and talk to him because he didn't know me. <laughs> and I know a lot about him, but I don't, really don't know him. And it's so easy to think we know about our great God. But how? What kind of deep, deep relationship we do do we have? with our God. This idea of, of knowing our God is a deep relationship. That separates Christianity from other religions. That's religion. This, ours is a faith that involves a personal walk, a personal relationship with a holy God who cares about us individually. And we want to know more about Him, learn about Him, walk with Him, pursue Him, 1 Corinthians 1.24 says, But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Our Christ is the wisdom of God, is what, is, is what this says. It equates that. This, in John 17.3, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Us becoming believers, followers, to Christ, knowing eternal life through his salvation, gives us a baseline of knowledge of God. That's what it's just saying. It does. In John 14, 6 and 7, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. However, we're told we're to pursue a greater faith, a greater knowledge to contemplate and think about this great God more than that. Look at, look at Ephesians 1.17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you might know him. 
I liken it to marriage. You know, Nancy and I were dating. And I found out my grandchildren were raising. They have all these different words that mean different things. Like if I used the word courtship with them, they would throw up. Okay. But uh, so we're in courtship. We're dating. And we're falling in love. And we're passionate. And we're like dog years. We're 60 years old. So, you know, it's, uh, we're in a hurry. And so, um, uh, and we think we know each other. And then we get married. And uh, we're mature, you know. And we get married. And I find out we've both slept on the left side of the bed all our lives. There was more to learn. Somebody had to move. Right? I moved on. Uh, she moved on that thing. I moved on the other nine things. Okay? So <laughs> we, there's negotiation that goes on there. Right? <laughs> So, there was a starting place with marriage, but you grow together, you learn one another, you bond together, become one, and hopefully that continues all of your marriage, because there can reach another point to where you do things on autopilot. You can just... You just have the same values. You know what you're doing with your children. You know what you're doing next week. And all of a sudden we find we're no longer intentional and as passionate as we once were in this marriage. And there's drift. And it can be the same way with our Heavenly Father. We can just take for granted His great grace, His great love, if we're not intentional. Let's don't go on autopilot with our God, our marriage. Let's be intentional. After years of conversion, the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3.8, more than that, I now regard all things as liabilities compared to the far greater value of knowing Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, indeed I regard them as dumb, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not because I have my own righteousness derived from the law, but because I have the righteousness that comes by the way of Christ's faithfulness, a righteousness that is from God that is in fact based on Christ's faithfulness. And he says his goal, his aim is to know him, to experience the power of his resurrection, to share in his sufferings, and to be like him in his death. He wanted to know Christ to the point, I want to know what it's even like to suffer like Christ did. This knowing Christ will create a wisdom that's greater, a love that's greater, because that's what Christ is. That's what God, our Heavenly Father, is. A.W. Tozer said in the knowledge of the holy, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And Tim Keller said, if we consider and think about the love of God properly, our life will be changed, our hearts will be transformed. How important is it Really, 
right now where we are in our daily lives. How important is it to ponder, to think about seriously, regularly, daily, about the loving deeds of our Heavenly Father? Nancy, my wife, has a very small room in our house. It's actually where you, it was kind of a changing room coming off the pool. Very, very small room at one time, nor I've ever used it. She made it her prayer room. And so that's where she's to pray and seeks Jesus every day. Now, I, did see, I do see her go outside to get the paper in the morning, and, and I see her speaking, and I say, what are you talking to us when we first got married? One of the things I learned about it, she said, I'm talking to the Lord. I always acknowledge the Lord when I, when I go out in the morning. But she's going to make her way in that prayer room most mornings. Read God's word. Pray and listen to him. I asked her in preparing for this lesson, I said, Let me, if you were in that room and you had one prayer, one prayer, what would that be? If you had one prayer, you could ask the Lord. How would you answer that? If I could only pray one prayer, she said, it would be that my children, my grandchildren, my husband would come to know and believe in the love of Christ. Not just knowing about his love as head knowledge, but personally experience it for ourselves. If we did, we wouldn't fear the future or the present. We would be secure in who he has made us. We wouldn't compare ourselves to each other. We would live in expectation of his goodness and mercy. Psalms 107.43, let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the loving deeds of our Lord. That means don't just take a glance, not just a glance at the Lord, not just a surface knowledge of the Lord. Not just look at one attribute of the Lord, one persona of the Lord. It's more than that. So many, some people just, I, when I interview uh, teachers at school, my position as administrator, I'll uh, I always ask this question. I ask a lot of questions, but I always ask this question. Who is Jesus to you? And like most of us, we will hit, we'll get one persona, we'll get one attribute of God. Well, he's my friend. He's my best friend. But to fully understand God, we may have to look at more than just that one piece of God. And this is what we do in Psalms 107. This is what's happening right here. We see, it opens up, he sees these people in the desert. They, we don't see that they've sinned, but they are starving and they are thirsty. and They have no protection, no protection. They want a city for protection from thieves, from animals where there's water, where there's food. And all of a sudden here is the great God. He's more than a friend here. He is a deliverer. He's a leader that gets them to the safety of a city. And then we see a story where there's a prison. And in this prison, they are in chains. And I love the way that great voice you've got, Chuck, said they're in darkness, utter darkness. I can't even do it. Okay. And, and, uh, uh, Utter darkness. Can you imagine being in a, in a cell, bound in chains, bars, 
no light, utter darkness, and they think they're going to they're going to die. And you know what? The Lord put them in that chains and put them in that cell because of the rebellion. And yet they cry out to him. They cry out to the waymaker. And he breaks the chains. And he breaks the bars. And in this case, our great God is the, he's the king. The king put them there because of the rebellion. But the king says there's mercy. And the king says, I'm going to be your liberator. And what do they do? They cry out, thank you, thank you, thank you for your loving kindness. And then we see a story of these, these people in their sin. Because of their sin, they are so sick. Their health is fading. They have a terminal illness. They cannot eat. They cannot drink. And yet, they cry out to the Lord. And he becomes, first their counselor, it says he brought them the word of God. And then he says, you are healed. I'm going to show you mercy. You are healed. And then we see a story about me and the other sailors on the ships who think we can fix everything. Surely we can find us a human solution. Surely our skills will get us out of this terrible situation. But this storm is so great. The seas are in such turmoil. They know they are going to perish. They're going to, they're going to die. And they cry out to the Lord. And the great creator of the universe, it's nothing for him. It's nothing for him to calm the seas. And he comes and shows mercy. And Slightly overlooked part of this, he gets them to the desired shore. He's gracious. He says, I'm going to put you right where you wanted to go. I'm going to put you where it's good. And then we can say, but he's more. All through Scripture, we can see as we study the Word, we see these attributes of God. We see these good deeds that he's doing. And of course, the, these, this great deed of the sending the Redeemer, the Creator creates the world. He creates man. Man sins. Because of the sin, there's brokenness. Because of the sin, the world is broken. Death comes into the world. And our great heavenly Father, this great loving God, His greatest deed of all, He says, I'm going to send my Son. I'm going to send my Son to pay for the sins of those who will believe in me, believe in my Son, and believe in the resurrection that He conquered the grave. He sent his only son to suffer and, and to go through all the torments he did on this earth for us. We ought to think about that a lot. Romans 5, 8, and 9. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Think what it took. If there is ever an injustice in the world, God said, I'll send my son. I mean, you could say, in a sense, his son did nothing to deserve any of this, but he willingly laid down his life for us. First time I was asked to read Psalms 107, and I've read it a lot. My late wife had just been told, and she taught school the week she was told this, uh, two weeks before this, that she had 30 days to live with a rare, aggressive terminal cancer. 
And she was doing really well. She thought she had allergies. 30 days to live. And she immediately, she said, I'm going to get a second opinion. I'm going to ask Jesus what he says about that. So she went into her prayer closet and began to read as she does the Psalms. And in about an hour, she came back and she said, so joyful. Here it is, here it is, here it is, Kerwin. It's Psalms 107. This is about you. You're the sailor in the boat. You can't fix me. The Holy Spirit says, this is going to get me, but not in 30 days. And we can just cry out to the Lord. But I've already figured out I can't lose. Either the Lord's going to heal me, sustain me, or he's going to get me to a good shore. It's either going to be the healing, sustaining, or he'll get me to where to heaven. I've always wanted to go to heaven. In fact, I can hardly wait. And he's going to get you to a good shore. You just don't know what it is. It's going to be so good. And I don't want you to feel guilty when you're happy on that shore. So I'm going to pray for your future. I'm going to pray for your, your future wife. Starting now. And the Lord blessed her. And she lived 1,067 days. And Trissa was on that walk with us. And during that time, uh, I'm going to tell you what she did those 1,067 days. Everybody thinks they have this bucket list. But I can tell you what was number one top of the bucket list. And Trissa doesn't even know the extent of this. She poured, on days she was able, she poured enormous time into study of the scripture, studying about the love of God. Enormous. And the Lord blessed her hand. Uh, she, was, she spoke in 56 churches in eight states during, those, during that time and had thousands follow a blog where she shared her story. And it started off, the messages were about crying out to Jesus. How we just got to cry out to Jesus. And then the, then the story shifted to, let me tell you about the great, great love of Jesus. And how thankful I am for that love of Jesus. And then it was just all in about the love of Jesus. Incredible. So she passes. And if she passes, I'm asked to read Psalms 107 again. Two weeks after she passes. In a place where strategically she knows I'll eventually find it. 44 pages of final notes to me that she kept 18 pages of sweet memories gratitude affirmation 26 pages of how to finish big 26 pages finish big for Christ and there's some encouragements sweet rebukes because she knows me because she knows me because she had figured out how to finish big. It was about the love of Christ. Learning more and more and more about that. A sh short excerpt how that started. Kerwin, read Psalms 107. Don't go for memory. 
open the word, read it, read it often. Here's what I wish for you. I imagine you as mighty warrior for God's great cause. Please learn to listen to him. Open his word and beg him to teach you the truth about what it means to put on his armor and be a warrior in his army. Listen to him. Listen to him. Please learn to hear the great comforter's voice. Take away the clutter of your mind. Deciphering the logical conclusions that you come up with. Listen to him, dear husband. He is so wise. He has so much to tell you that would bring you joy and would bring joy to others that look up to you. There's so much in the pages of his word just waiting for you. Slow down. Stop your mind and just listen. I pray that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment so that you know what's really important. I pray that you will be filled with all knowledge of his will and his wisdom and his spiritual understanding so that you'll walk worthy of the Lord. I also pray that our great God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him so that your eyes of your heart may be enlightened to the hope of his calling and the riches of his inheritance. Dear husband, keep studying and teaching the word of God because you're receiving the greatest impact of your study. Please don't stop this. It is vital to your effectiveness. It is your lifeline to holiness. It is the way to finish big. She had discovered to finish big was to pursue, think about, ponder. That was Psalms 107. Think about, ponder, study the great loving deeds of our Heavenly Father. She also knew that I was not. I did not have a spiritual discipline. I was a hit and miss guy. I was not in pursuit of a greater understanding of this great God that we have. She thought that was the way to finish big. So it's real challenging today. Are we living small? Are we on autopilot? Do we take for granted this great Redeemer's love? Let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. Will we spend time in word? Will we finally say, this is how to finish big. This is how to live big.